Welcome to the Mouse and Castle. This is a gathering place for fans of all things Disney. So sit back, chow down, have some sips, and chit-chat about the magical world created by Walt Disney. Hey guys, welcome back to the Mouse and Castle podcast. You know, for um, a recently retired Star Wars podcaster, there's a lot of Star Wars talk that's <laughs> going to happen on air on this episode. Um, hey, I'm your host, Riley Blanton, and joining me as always, uh, my good friend and yours, Mr. Aaron Goins, back to Mouse and Castle, man. Welcome back. Good morning. Yes, good morning to you, and it's an evening here. As we alluded to, this is going to be, this is the thing. This is going to be the bit because we are now recording at about 9.30 p.m. my time. And it is bright and early for you, my friend, for a Sunday morning (laughs) that we're recording this. Yes, 8.30 a.m. on a Sunday, which normally during the week wouldn't be too early for me on the weekend. This is definitely earlier than I would typically be up and about, showered. You know, made sure my beard was trimmed so I'd look nice on camera. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I'm excited. Well, we've been, both been a little behind the scenes. We've been, like, kind of building up. I've been getting a few pieces here and there to have, like, some recording space for, for Mouse and Castle. So we're trying to make it happen as best we can. So I'm excited to talk Disney with you. A lot of Star Wars talk, but also some non-Star Wars stuff. There's been a lot going on, as, as I guess there always is. Um, uh, this, you know, really our six month retirement from this podcast was to avoid the whole Reedy Creek discussion. That was all we did. We were just trying to, <laughs> <laughs> not that was a good call. I'm glad we didn't have to talk. I feel that. like, yeah, we, we, yeah, exactly. Exactly. We avoided, uh, all of that, but no, I, I want to talk to you, man, about, um, Star Wars right off the top of the show, because you just got back last weekend, uh, from Star Wars Celebration Anaheim. It's first return since uh, and long-awaited return in the uh, since COVID, and um, I want to hear your review. I want to hear your experience. What jumped out to you? And I know you also got to, a chance to do the whole Star Wars night at Disneyland uh, too. So I want to. The floor is yours, sir. Yeah, Star Wars Celebration. Yeah, it was a good time. You know, I, I always love going to these type of events, and I missed doing them. I hadn't been to any kind of a big con. You know, mm-hmm. throughout the entire pandemic, except with the small exception of of jumping to the, a local uh, Philadelphia con, so it was nice to get back to kind of the bigger event type cons, yeah, and specifically Star Wars Celebration. And there's all always a lot of my friends who I typically don't see throughout the year, yeah, go to these events. So going to these events is kind of more becoming more about the hanging out sure. with the friends more so than necessarily waiting in line for a lot of panels, um, yeah. Side notes, totally sad you weren't able to come this time. <laughs> Thanks. But, yeah. uh, I, you know, a little far, far away, but you know what? Maybe the next one, maybe the next one. Yeah. But they did it. So like other conventions that they kind of do like a lottery system sometimes for the bigger panels. Sure. So you had to kind of hope that you got into them. I didn't try too hard if I'm being honest. Okay. You know, it was kind of like, I wanted to really take it easy this con. I didn't do any media coverage, uh, anything official at least. Uh, so I was kind of just like, you know what? I'm just going to go and enjoy myself. So, you know, I did get to see some of the upcoming stuff, which is to me is kind of the exciting things at these cons, right? What haven't they shown us yet? Mm-hmm. What trailers are we going to get? What clips, what might we get? What actors are going to come out? So it was cool to see all the stuff coming for like Disney plus. Uh, they really focused in on like Andor, Ahsoka, uh, the bad batch season two. Um, and then obviously Mando season three, in Kenobi. So there's a lot, you know, right. If you're a big star Wars fan right now, there's so much that's coming down the road. Yeah. And you know, up to, and now we've already seen a decent it's, amount of Kenobi. We have, so it's a busy, it's been a busy season. I know I didn't even put Kenobi in the rundown because there's so much star Wars stuff that's been going on. Yeah. So, yeah, but they did show, they did actually show like a trailers for Andor and Mandalorian season three. Mm. which I believe the Andor trailer went live so anyone can watch that. Yes, that is the one but, I've seen. And then the Mandalorian season three is the one that I definitely haven't seen a really crappy cam footage version of. <laughs> right. I, I had heard that it leaked online, but I think the one that linked online isn't even 
the full thing. It is, so it they is did not. two different versions. Yeah. They did like an early version in one of the earlier panels where it's like half the trailer. Yeah. And then they later in another tra- in another uh, panel they released the full thing. So definitely a lot of cool stuff. Yeah. You know? It looks like the focus is going to be really on him going back to Mandalore trying to um you know kind of make amends for taking his helmet off which is kind of ridiculous <laughs> and uh and then obviously like Bo-Katan you know the whole thing with the dark saber yeah so yeah it's it looks exciting there's a, the the Andor stuff looked great to me so the, the Mando stuff granted I you know much worse quality but it looked pretty exciting I have to say probably what jumped out to me I don't know if you were there when they talked about this new series uh that Dave Filoni's doing the shorts what are they? What are they even calling these things? Tales, of the, Tales Jedi. of the Jedi. Yeah, Tales of the Jedi. Yes. That looks pretty sweet. Yeah, I did get to go to that panel. Okay. And I was just kind of joking around about it on my other podcasts, uh, Star Wars Bookworms. The last time we recorded was I hope this isn't just another you know rehash of the Clone Wars. Mm. You know, I've got enough of those characters. Yeah. We've seen a ton of stuff. All this animation stuff seems to be kind of around the same, you know, era, you know, Clone Wars leading into Rebels. Yeah. But it, I was like, I hope this is kind of jumps around the timeline a little bit, shows us some Jedi that we haven't really seen a lot about. And then I watched the stuff they released. They actually showed us the whole first episode and then they showed us a, a trailer. Oh, interesting. It, of course, it's Ahsoka, Qui-Gon Jinn, Count Dooku. <laughs> I'm like, okay, here we go again. But... <laughs> That all that being said, they're doing it from a different time. At least some of it is going to sure. be showing the lead up to when Ahsoka became a Jedi, all mm-hmm. the way from when she's a baby. Yeah, Dooku, they're going back in time when he was younger. Qui Gon is there with him. I, I'm assuming as like an apprentice. Mm-hmm. So that is interesting to me. Maybe not so much the Ahsoka stuff. I mean, they've run that character into the ground. I'm, I mean, I'm, <gasps> not that I'm not excited for the TV show. Aaron. I know, I know. I am excited, but man, <laughs> have we not gotten enough Ahsoka. So, uh, <laughs> uh, How but, dare you, sir. <laughs> but the Qui-Gon uh, Dooku stuff has me pretty excited. That is actually sure. honestly what I'm most excited about, seeing that. Seeing some of the concept art looked really good. Um, and I love the idea of seeing, um, I don't know, the idea the, a young Dooku. Maybe maybe Xanatos will show up. There's a deep cut for you guys. <laughs> they did uh, show in. They showed some of the concept art, and mm-hmm. they showed a little trailer. And there's definitely a Sith-like character. Yep, I saw that and concept art piece. It seems like this character faces off against Ahsoka maybe in the post Order sixty six era. Mm, interesting. So it may be some sort of Inquisitor or. Who knows what, but it's a very menacing looking character with red lightsaber and some kind of crazy mask. So mm. it's like, okay, they're they're finding these characters, you know, that these Sith esque, if not Sith characters that can face off against Jedi, because that's who we want to see, right? We don't mm. want to see them fighting against non force wielding, non lightsaber wielding characters. We want to see them fighting with lightsabers. You gotta pop some inquisitors in there, man. That's what yeah. you need. That's what Star Wars needs more of. You know, Star Wars we've always loved um like pseudo sith like because everybody loves mm. uh the badass bad guys so much so you have to have some version of a not quite sith the asajj ventress or the darth talon or you know uh is that you brother 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 uh, <laughs> yeah they it is funny because they they kind of they made the rules themselves right the rule of two mm-hmm. so there's only ever supposed to be two sith and then we know so these time periods so well that it's like we know which sith should be around yeah. Which, you know, really in the films, you're talking, you know, not that many people. Yeah. Uh, so when they do this extended stuff, it's almost like, all right, well, we can't use Vader here or we can't <laughs> use Palpatine. So let's make up another yeah. Sith-like character, which is pretty much why the Inquisitors were created in general, I think, is so they could have more guys wielding lightsabers. So, well, but I'm as a fan... I'm happy. I'm, I'm I mean, I listen. I was that guy in the original older public trailer when they when Bioware showed it, and it's just like seventeen Sith lords all jump out of the back of a shuttle and invade the Jedi Temple, and I was sitting there going, "Yes, do like, it." This is what we want to see. Although speaking of Inquisitors, I want to I want to get your hot take on um, Obi Wan. I know we did, we're not. This isn't like the format for an in depth review, but certainly first impression because you were. The, I know you were there live in person when they actually showed 
uh, the first two episodes at Celebration. Yeah. Uh, my quick reaction to Obi-Wan, I really like it. Obi-Wan's one of my favorite characters in all mm-hmm. of Star Wars. Ewan McGregor's one of my favorite actors in general. So I, this was kind of a dream come true for the show to even happen. Yeah. Um, it definitely surprised me with the direction. And I mean, if, are we talking spoilers? Yeah, yes. You know what? We'll give the spoiler warning because I feel like, um, especially for the first two episodes, um, by the time this airs, the first three episodes, the fourth one will be out probably. So, <laughs> or, yeah. or close to it. So, yeah, I think uh, spoiler warning for the first three episodes of Obi Wan earmuffs, uh, Princess Leia earmuffs, everybody. If you don't, <laughs> if you don't want any spoilers. Speaking of Princess Leia, <laughs> mm, uh, that mm. that was surprising that she was such a big focus. Yeah, uh, I same. do think it's a little. It feels a little her, like rehashing uh, of the kind of idea with with Grogu and Dinjarin, mm. the Mando and Baby Yoda. Oh, interesting. I didn't think of it that known. way. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it feels a little similar. And I think and I had heard in some of the interviews and stuff that they actually realized that kind of when they were first producing the show, and then what was going on with Mando, they were like, "Oh, this is this is more similar than we expected." So they mm. did change some of the direction of the writing for the show, I think, because of that. But it does feel very similar. Okay, you have this Jedi or you have this person that's kind of yeah, you know, on their own that now comes across a young child that needs protection mm. and, you know, hijinks ensue. So yeah. uh, that was a little – I'm still okay with it. I, I really like the actress that they've cast to play Leia, which is saying a lot for me because – child actresses child it's, actors in general are not you know my mm. favorite thing to watch but uh i thought they really cast her well and she's she's pretty engaging yeah um so yeah i mean i so far they did pull out vader a little earlier than i expected but then i had to remind myself this is only six episode series yeah so he showed up about halfway through this there's got to be a lot of elements remaining in the show from the original movie that was written because um, I know conceptually, yeah. I think the Obi Wan movie was being worked on around the same time with early concepts as the Boba Fett movie. Um, back when Lucasfilm was going to have the various, you know, hotshot directors who just had a big hit of some kind or kind of made a splash in Hollywood. So, you know, Josh Trank was going to do the Boba Fett uh, movie, and I, don't, I honestly don't know who was going to handle the Obi Wan movie, but. Um, then they kind of shifted directions, but it seems like it almost the, what was salvaged from those creative projects that then shifted over to Disney plus is now Disney plus's greatest hit, uh, it back to back Mandalorian and now Obi-Wan are, are their biggest hits, which I'm a big fan of because I really like the storytelling in both. And, and here's the thing. I've always liked the Mandalorian. I've never been the person that loved the Mandalorian. I, I say this, I'm wearing a, a baby Yoda shirt right now, but I've, <laughs> I've um I've never just been. Well, the you can love that, Baby Yoda and not love the Mandalorian. Uh, I know plenty of people who just love Baby Yoda. That's so. also true. Most of America, actually. Um, yeah. But no, I I think it's um, for me the Obi Wan series has been what I've everything I've wanted for Star Wars storytelling on Disney Plus. That it, that it's hit it out of the park for me. Like I have knit little nitpicks here and there, but to me, it's the best Star Wars we've seen on Disney Plus easily. Um, I, I, I think, um, Leia, particularly the actress who played her did such a good job in episode three, adding some nuance to the character, um, that went beyond just sort of being a precocious punk young Carrie Fisher, which was, I get what they were going for, but I was glad that they've kind of, the relationship is evolving and becoming more complex and actually feels real instead of artificial. And that's tough to do, like you say, with a, a young child actor, um, it's just, I mean, we, we've, we've all seen it with the Phantom Menace. It's, it's tough. Um, and I know like Jake Lloyd got a ton of unfair, you know, criticism cause he's just a kid, but like when you're trying to get young kids in star Wars, it's a, it's a tough fit fit. Like there are very few examples and it's usually, it's like the Ewok cartoon. It's the Ewok ser- series or the TV movies or Jake Lloyd and the Phantom Menace. Like, I don't think, I can't think of that many off the top of my, <laughs> my head and it's actually working here. Right. Yeah. It's, it's tough with, with child actors because you're really, especially in these type of movies or TV shows where you really want to be kind of immersed in the world mm-hmm. and feeling like, okay, I'm watching something that's really happening and not necessarily a production. Yeah. And children tend to pull you out of it sometimes because they just don't have that same 
level of skill or ability to act yeah. that adults do. And so it's kind of like when the child comes in and says their line, it kind of takes you out of it. Like, oh, okay, this is just, you yeah. know, a kid on set that just had their little their little juice box and, <laughs> you know, they threw them in there for their line. And do you remember? So more so, power to them to actually get an actress who can kind yes. of pull that off where you, do, you don't necessarily get pulled out uh, the way that you would maybe with some yeah. less skilled Actor. I I remember like in the in the the Phantom Menace behind the scenes documentary all the like the final three young actors that they're trying to cast for Anakin all doing like screen testing across from Natalie Portman you know uh-huh. just all every version I don't of I've seen this every version of are you an angel <laughs> it's uh, it's uh it's exactly what you're talking about it's it's hard to watch sometimes but uh, enough about that I do want to know about uh, bringing it more I guess more slightly more to Disney uh, Star Wars Night at uh, Disneyland. Is that what it's officially branded? That's when I was Googling it. That's, yeah, everybody's Star called Wars it, Night. Okay, because everybody's calling it Star Wars Night. I wasn't sure if that's the official, like, that's what it is. I guess it's a very simple, easy to remember branding. So. Right, yeah. Uh, Disneyland After Dark, I think, is like the official kind of moniker for these type of events. And then they have mm. like the subtitle would be Star Wars Night because mm. they do a bunch of different themed ones. But have you done yeah, I was one super of- excited. I had done in the past. I had done those type of events at Disney World. Okay, uh, but I had never done one at Disneyland before. Gotcha. So I th- and it was pretty much the same. I would say uh, maybe a little bit more, be- probably because of the timing. Although I had been to previous ones that were set during Celebration, but this one was way. I think because this is the first time I've been to one, and I think only the second time they've done it like on Batu. Yeah, in Galaxy's Edge. And so the enthusiasm for the fan base that was there as far as costuming and carrying around your lightsaber and all of that was next level. I love it. Uh, it was it was kind of what you would hope. If you're a big Star Wars fan and you're like, I want to go to Galaxy's Edge and I want to be surrounded by other people who appreciate it as much as I do, mm-hmm. are going to be in costume wearing... I mean, you, if you weren't wearing something Star Wars... <laughs> you were probably in the wrong place. You know, this was this was the diehards. <laughs> this is who you would want, I guess, uh, to be uh, to get the full experience. This is what I this is what I want to know. That it, does it capture? Because for me, that experience was Star Wars weekends. Because I've never had a chance to be like at a Disney park surrounded by Star Wars fans, and I imagine this had to capture hopefully some version of that experience. Yeah, absolutely. If not more. Because Star Wars Weekends, you're kind of mixed in with the rest yeah. of the crowd, right? You know, some people are there for Star Wars Weekend, some people aren't. Yeah. This was, it's a ticketed event, expensive ticket. So, yeah. you know, anyone who was like, eh, I kind of like Star Wars, maybe how, I'd go. How, and then how, they say the price. How much was it? How- uh, I think it was like 120 100 Oof. I forget what the, the final price ended up that's being. A, because that's they kept, a tough one. They, they reschedule it, and I know there was a price change and, and all that. So I think for, for me, when I bought it, I think it was like in the 120s. I think the price actually went up for yeah. people that bought it later. So And I saw them. So once it sold out, I had a couple friends who were like really wanting to get in. And so I started looking to see if there was any places that re, had resell tickets. And there was not many sites do, but there were a couple resell sites. Mm-hmm. And every one I saw was no less than $250 a ticket. Uh, on the resale market. That's so crazy. it was definitely in demand. It was sold out. Uh, it did capture the Star Wars weekends feel and took it to a next level because it's just packed with Star Wars fans. And yeah. there was even, I, you probably saw pictures, but there was kind of a meetup by the Millennium Falcon yep. where everyone that had lightsabers kind of lit up their lightsabers. And mm, I've, I've it already, was, it was a surreal and I didn't carry my lightsaber around. Yeah. You know, I just don't like to have extra stuff with me if I don't need to. Sure. But in this moment, I almost felt like I failed because I'm like, <laughs> why don't I have my lightsaber? I should be part of this because it was just hundreds and hundreds of lightsabers mm. all lit up at the same time. And That's I kind of just was waiting through the crowd trying to get somewhere. And it was, it was kind of, it was kind of awesome. Well, I'm two things. One, I'm I'm way way ahead of you. I've already stolen that picture from your Facebook, and that's for this week's episode art. So you, oh, nice. so the listeners have already seen it. If you're listening on like the Apple uh, app, and then two, remember failure. 
is the greatest teacher. So that is yeah. <laughs> not that I'm going to bring it next time because that's a, I built, it's one of the ones that you build a galaxy's edge and those things are heavy. So, so. but it sounds like, cause you haven't mentioned off the top of your head, like any specific events or like, I know when we talk about the uh, Halloween events, it's the candy or the versions of the ride. W- was there anything actually different about Batu itself or any special offerings or experiences that were part of the night? Or was it just the fact of who was there? I think it was more about who was there yeah. in the enthusiasm of the fans as opposed to actual anything special that was happening. I know, and this is where I'll reveal being a bad Star Wars fan maybe, <laughs> and I didn't seek out. I wasn't like, oh, I have to find this unique food item that's only available sure. during this event, or I need to find this merchandise that's only available. I kind of went there as a Disney slash Star Wars fan, so I really wanted to I actually went into the other parts of Disneyland as well. I didn't mm-hmm. just stay in Batu because I really want to take advantage of the, the park being, you know, less crowded. Sure. Yeah. So I was so, and I was actually with a friend who had never been to Disneyland. Oh, it was their first time. So I kind of took advantage of showing him around, you know, the whole park and going on rides that he had never been on. And so that was part of it too. So I kind of did mm. split my time between the Star Wars stuff. So sure. When, when we were actually in the Galaxy's Edge, I didn't notice anything super unique to the party, but that might be just because I wasn't looking for it. Sure. But they still did, you know, what you, you know, Kylo Ren on the stage next to the shuttle and the stormtroopers, and they come out into the crowd, and Ray and Chewbacca up on that balcony, you know, the stuff that you normally see. Sure, yeah. Um, we did get a chance to go to Oga's, which is harder and harder to get into these days. Yeah. And um, thanks to your lovely sister, Bethany, she mm. kind of uh, worked it out on the app and kind of, you know, used her magic and, mm. and got us in there. She's one of those so, people at Di- that you just want to have in your party at Disney. That is uh, that is very yeah, true. She was on top of it. Usually I'm kind of that person yeah. in group sometimes if nobody else wants to be. Yeah. But I she was that person in our group and I definitely let her run with it. Nice. I was like, yeah, you take this. You know, so she, she got us in there and... This is the first time I've been to Oga's Cantina that I got to sit down, okay, seat, like in a booth, and didn't have to stand the whole time. Did you have to kill anybody for it? <laughs> yeah, right. Did you have so to take was, somebody out with a gaffy stick? <laughs> that was actually game changer for me. Oh, really? Okay. My, one of my big complaints about Oga's is it feels it just feels too small, and you don't feel comfortable. You know, you're 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 kind of standing at that table. It's crowded, mm-hmm. and this time I was we were in a booth. It was more relaxed. Yeah. Um, it just felt different. And they had some different food items that they hadn't previously had. Um, that actually okay. was like, okay, it's more than just the drinks. You know, we, we actually got a couple little appetizers. Uh, we, we had time to get two drinks and really My just take God, it in. Man. We sat next to some cool people that were like, you know, talkative and excited about the event. So it was the best time I've ever had at Oga's. And there was a Dave Filoni Sam Witwer sighting in mm. like in the bar. There you uh, go. There you go. It's kind of cool too. That's pretty awesome. I'm I'm pretty excited about that because here's the thing of what I I think undeniably Galaxy's Edge does so well. It is immersive. It is and and if you're willing, especially I'm sure on something like a Star Wars night, especially ticketed event with everybody bought in that has to be incredible. And that's always been the struggle with Oga's Cantina because it's it's difficult to capture the immersion because Galaxy's Edge is very much designed about a feeling. And it's what's so brilliant about, I think, the design of that versus any of the other recent expansions at the Disney parks is that they realized what uh, Universal had done with Harry Potter. And it was successful not just because of these really cool marquee attractions that were about Harry Potter. It was, it feels like you're in a Harry Potter movie. And so, you know, we've all heard that marketing a million times about Galaxy's Edge, but it really does feel that way. And I think that's where Oga's comes up short because of capacity. It's the simplest thing because you can't feel like a, a, a grunge bar like the Masaisa Cantina, which is the feeling they're going for it, when they have to cycle everybody out in 45 minutes and one drink, maybe two, and you get shuffled out because the actual design and interior and everything, amazing. It's just not, they just don't have the capacity, which I guess is kind of a good problem to have. But um, yeah, I think I'm getting more used to the idea. It does make it feel more exclusive, you know, where it's yeah. kind of more exciting that you get in because it's like, it's hard to get in. It's small, yeah, you know, sure. small capacity. And I will say for this event, because of the Star Wars costuming, 
it did feel a little bit more like you know mm. kind of in universe because yep. I look over to my right and there's this awesome looking bar and there's a guy in full on X wing flight suit, you know, hanging out at the bar and it's like it's that's yep. what it would look like right if you were at a bar in Star Wars I love that. Know, universe. So there were I think I got a picture where you literally see kind of the bar in the background and then this X-Wing pilot standing in, in a really good X-Wing pilot costume. So it's like screen accurate. <laughs> and you're like, wow, that's I, that looks like I'm in an actual, you know, Star Wars bar. Thank so, you, sir. I appreciate you contributing yes, to thank, this experience. Yeah, I should have I gone over and, and told him thank you. But um, yeah, it was, you just, thank it you was for your service. Time. <laughs> that's just <laughs> in the galactic resistance. Oh my gosh. No, I think um, that's good to know. I think uh, I've... I've come to appreciate, as I've heard um, a couple of reviews and folks talking about Star Wars Night and, and just Galaxy's Edge in general, who um, hadn't been out, some of the Star Wars podcasts I've listened to, like in just some of the celebration coverage, talked about their experiences at Star Wars Celebration, not just Celebration, but the, at Galaxy's Edge for the first time. And it sort of reminded me, I think, of some of the achievements um, of, of, of the park. We, we've talked about their shortcomings sometimes, but man, I think, um, I want to go back. I want to go back for the next yeah. star Wars night, whenever it happens again, inevitably, uh, obviously not next year, probably a, a two year cycle. We'll go back to Orlando and there'll be a star Wars night at, at Disney world. And we'll both be there. I'm sure. I'm pretty sure that's going to be a thing. Yeah. The more I go back to galaxy's edge, the more I appreciate it. I think, you know, you go there with all the hype of where they finally gave us a star Wars land and mm-hmm. you know, all that hype and the expectation and, yeah, it, no, it can never live up to that sure. expectation. But now that it's been out there for a couple of years, and I've been back a few times, every now when I walk around the corner and I see these stormtroopers kind of guarding the wall as I'm walking into this land, I'm like, "This is so cool!" Like, <laughs> we we kind of take it for granted. Yeah, we do. You know, as Star Wars fans, sometimes how good we have it and how much they've given us, and I'm like, "Man, this is actually so cool!" Like to walk <laughs> into this area and there's like actual stormtroopers, you know, kind of patrolling the area and making comments and yeah. I don't know. It, it, it was very, I think I, I've, I've kind of come all the way around on it. Not that I was negative on it to begin with, but now it's definitely one of my favorite areas to visit. Yeah. Disney. I think it may, maybe it hits different too in that I think celebration does represent this big shift in the star Wars franchise as there wasn't hardly any mention of any future theatrical uh, products. It was all about the series and Disney plus and I think a return to the these stories that have really connected with the core fan base uh, have been fairly universally loved. And I think, um, you know, we, we won't, this is not the podcast for it, but I think it's actually uh, as, as someone who's recently distanced themselves from some parts of Star Wars fandom, just like talking about it here on a Disney podcast, observationally, I'm actually pretty excited about the direction of the franchise and the, and the story that's being told right now. I think it's a really good thing. There's, there's this noticeable shift in the types of stories and the storytellers that they're choosing to platform and push forward. And I think all of these are very talented, you know, storytellers that have a lot to offer. Um, I'm pretty excited to Did see where it goes. Did you see, I don't know if we have it in our notes to, to talk about anyways. Hit me. So maybe it's coming up later, but did you see they're adding characters to Galaxy's Edge? Oh, I didn't put that in my notes, but it, yeah, Book of Boba Fett, right? Right. Like, yeah, we're gonna have. I think they're adding four characters: mm-hmm. Fennec Shan. I know Fennec Shan and Boba Fett. Those are the Boba two Fett, I had. I had heard. Mandalorian and uh, Grogu. Oh, of course. Yeah, that would make sense. Those right. would be the other two. So that's come on. Which I think is what people have been asking for. It's, it's time. People are saying, oh, you know, you're, you stuck yourself in a certain era and it's got to stay in universe now so that only characters that yeah. are in that era ha- can be there. And I, I'm glad that they're willing to break with break that a little bit because yeah. I appreciate what they're trying to do, the immersiveness and trying to say this is in universe, like yeah. you're a day in Batu, and you're only going to meet characters that could be there at that time. But I do think it, it in the end it is an amusement park. <laughs> and a yeah. theme park and it's somewhere where people do expect to see you know they the best of and not that i want honestly i don't know that i want vader and luke and han walking around but you're gonna get it man it's gonna happen. maybe maybe i don't know i think this is their this is kind of that happy medium where they're like all right we're not gonna go all the way and give you vader mm-hmm. but we'll give you boba fett because you know you could make a stretch and say that these characters could still be around in this time period and 
mm-hmm. and be participating in Batu, or maybe they'll have some story where uh, some days in Batu when you visit, it's you know in a different time period, or who knows I, I what think the in universe explanation is going to be. But they've, they've broken it, man. The rules have been broken. Yeah, they get that. You think I don't it's think all in now. I don't think gonna... they can cl- close that box because it's Finnick Shand and Boba Fett. Like the time period of Galaxy's Edge is set when Luke is old, <laughs> real old, and so like Boba Fett's already old <laughs> by the time of yes. and that's and that's just like right after Return of the Jedi. So it just seems you're really pushing it at that point. Um, right. To... I don't know my exact math on all this, but I think he would be in his late sixties. Yeah. Because he's only supposed to, so the actor is older than the character. Like yeah. he's only supposed to be in his forties in in the uh, book of Boba Fett, I believe. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, could Boba Fett still be running around in his armor in his sixties? Sure, why not? Yeah. But uh, yeah, I would be interested to see kind of more information around how they kind of explain it in universe, or if they even just say, "Hey, if you see them walking around, you just happen to visit in a different time period that day." <laughs> uh, yeah, but. I think it is cool that they're opening it up somewhat to... No, it's true. And I think that it will be in a middle ground for a little bit. I don't think the, the, the Vader... Vader will show up. But it's going to be a few years down the road when they have like a big special event and and there's like a original trilogy TIE Fighter instead of the First Order TIE Fighter. Um, which, by the way, that which that ship design in the First Order area, like that's from concepts for Colin Trevorrow's version of Rise of Skywalker. Um, yeah, so it's I, not even an actual ship that we've seen. In, that we've seen, in, yeah, in, exactly. So uh, I think which it, it's similar enough, though. Like when sure. you see it, you don't think, "Oh, wow, it's such a different design." It's like, no. okay, that just looks like an Imperial or First Order shuttle. Exactly. Um, I will say this: I'm okay with them bringing these characters in. I do hope that they don't mix and match. Oh uh, yeah. Meaning, like, if if they're gonna have Vader eventually show up, don't have him walking next to mm. Kylo Ren. Yeah. No, you know, there should be a separation in, okay, we'll have these characters come in from time to time, but still try to keep it immersive where if you see Vader, he's with the original stormtroopers walking around versus Kylo Ren is yeah. with the new first order of stormtroopers walking around. Like no. don't mix and match mm-hmm. these characters where they're showing up next to each other. No, they should like, this is, and this is their opportunity, man. Like this is what they should do is Vader shows up for very special events, probably specially ticketed events like a Star Wars night, hypothetically, where they where they cater to like more OG original trilogy era fans and they do special events, characters, experiences that are focused on the original movies. It'd be a huge hit and it's reaching out to a part of the fan base that might be more skeptical of like your land based on the new movies that you may or may not like as much. And but then you know on on your normal Tuesday you'll still have Ray running around um saying hi to everybody you know i think that'd be kind of cool i don't know i think you can walk that line i think you can hopefully i think so yeah Yeah. um but yeah man i think um you know what we i want to hit a few rapid fire stories here right at the end of the show um before i go to bed and then you start your day (laughs) so but I, i wanted to get um your reaction to the pinocchio trailer and also i wanted to get your reaction I don't know why. This is one of those like kitschy uh, viral stories that uh, that shows up on my Google feed. Of, like you definitely want to see this controversial thing that happened at a Disney park. We know you like Disney. It's viral, but it's it's this um, one of the Disney employees at uh, Disneyland Paris went viral for not necessarily great reasons so so there's this dude proposing uh to his girlfriend like you do at a disney park something by the way that i was explicitly for forbid by my now wife yeah i think my my uh, <laughs> wife would have killed me if i did i mean that, it's it's yeah. it's whatever's whatever floats your boat whatever's your style but this is this is probably something that they're pretty excited about probably something she definitely knew was happening like you can't really keep that a secret um, but there they are on the platform in front of the in front of the castle, and uh, he's proposing to his girlfriend. Evidently, he had asked permission from one of the park employees, and they're like, "Sure, yeah, go for it." However, however, right as he got onto uh, hand and knee, um, there he goes. There's video. Yeah, he's got oh, the man. box out. <laughs> I can't even describe it. This dude uh, literally bounces between them, snatching the box, and runs, sprints off the platform, interrupting oh, the proposal, the magical moment. 
And this guy just looks really, really sad about it. It's I, so you were kind of saying it about the whole, you know, you see these things in your feed. Yeah. I get these all the time. Oh yeah. And it's always the dumbest stuff. <laughs> it's, you it know, is. let's hate on Disney for no reason. Kind of, you know, yeah. clickbait stuff. Sure. And it's like, Oh, this Disney restaurant ran out of corn dogs and <laughs> people were angry. And you people, know, it's, uh, and then there's always a Reddit there's comment. Two tweets. There's a Reddit comment or yeah. Tweets are embedded at the bottom yeah. of the article. Yeah. And there's like two people were like, you know, how dare Disney run out of corn dogs? You know, it's, it's always that kind of dumb stuff. So when I saw this, mm. I, I didn't even click on it because no. I thought there would be some rational explanation, you know, and it typically is w- what it turns out to be. It's never quite what they say in the headline, but it sounds like this actually was pretty accurate as far as um, this Disney employee kind of interrupting this. Yeah. My thought, I tend to side with the Disney employees mostly over, to- <laughs> over uh, you know, people at the parks because did he really ask permission? Mm, did, that's what know, he said. He, he's up on a stage that he probably shouldn't have been up on. And they're, <laughs> and these employees are probably trained to say, Hey, if you see somebody hop up on stage, get him off of there. Yeah. And I think the employee probably thought he was doing his job, but mm. maybe wasn't informed that they had permission or, or whatever. So, yeah. you know, no big deal. It turns out to be a funny viral moment. Yeah. And now they'll, you know, these, they, sure, their engagement got messed up, but now they have the story that they can tell. So, exactly. Um, it sounds like Disney apologized for it. They did actually, they, they did issue a statement to Newsweek, which is the uh, article I, I pulled. Quote, we regret how this uh, was handled. A Disney spokesperson told Newsweek, we have apologized to the couple involved and offered to make it right. I wonder what that means. Was it like a fast pass or was it like right, they... a complimentary Disney wedding? No. <laughs> There's yeah, your opportunity right. for the, some good PR. What's the spectrum of right uh, the uh, making it right? My uh, favorite hopefully. people in the world, the blue-shirted guest relations people that are like, I'm sorry, this uh, thing that you paid for or have booked is no longer available. How can I be of service to you? And I'm like, well, let the bartering begin. Uh, <laughs> Disney's pretty good, usually, with yeah. this type of stuff, where, where if something goes wrong, they'll usually try to make it right. Yeah. But, in this inst- instance, I wouldn't even say that Disney was in the wrong more than there was some miscommunication and it looks bad on Disney because they all got caught on video and they're going to try to make it right even if they weren't in the wrong. Yeah, that's fair. So. That is fair. Um, well, I'll tell you what, man. Let's watch this Pinocchio trailer. Disney Plus, well, on Disney Plus Day, evidently they're doing Disney Plus Day again. Aaron, your thoughts? My initial thoughts are they went, they definitely went for the original aesthetic for the visuals mm-hmm. in the way that Tom Hanks is costumed. Yep. Uh, the Jiminy Cricket kind of looks the way you would expect him to. They didn't try to go too realistic with him. Mm-hmm. Um, Pinocchio, you don't really get a great look at Pinocchio, but you get kind of a little side view, and it definitely looks like the animated version um, as opposed to trying. Because I know there's been 
There has been a like a live action Pinocchio, right? There was a couple years like back. I don't even know if it was a Disney. I don't think it was no. a Disney production, but there was one that. Um, it was like that year the two Jungle Books came out in like the same year, right? <laughs> but I don't. Pinocchio is a movie that I. That's not one of my favorites. Mm, I watched it maybe films. once as a kid, maybe. It. I think I watched it as a kid, and it it kind of spooked me, kind of freaked <laughs> me out. There's a lot of like spooky stuff in it. It is. There's um, a reason they used it for the Age of Ultron trailers. There are no strings on me. <laughs> you know, he's like, oh, God. Forgot about that. Uh, but that's still, by the way. So yeah, that wasn't. That's not like a, a favorite of mine that I grew up with that I'm mm, super nostalgic for. So yeah. this movie, when they announced, it, I wasn't. I wasn't like, oh yeah, I cannot wait. And you know my reaction to these live action movies sometimes too. It's like, do we really need a live action version of everything? <laughs> That's usually the first uh, Aaron hot take of when we're discussing one of these live action. Did we really need? You're, you're one we, of those guys, man. <laughs> Tom Hanks, yeah. he's great casting. I, I think True. he's you know he, he's always fun to watch. And some of the other names that I saw pop up there are you know are people that I like. And I'll give it to him. The trailer looks good. You know, it, it definitely looks. It looks really good. It looks like if you were nostalgic for this movie, they, they got the visuals right. And the music, mm. you know, that is iconic. doesn't matter if you're a big fan of Pinocchio. Exactly. That when you wish upon a star, that music is iconic no matter what. So when that pops up halfway through the trailer, mm-hmm. that hooked me. You know, we were talking about last episode about firework shows and the music and how mm-hmm. that can hook you. Yep. And so for that, you know, that moment definitely was like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, okay. I think I want to watch this now. So, yeah. Uh, I'm sucked in. Not a lot of Pinocchio in the Pinocchio trailer, but nope. I think I'm okay with that. I actually, because th- I think they're highlighting the strength, which will actually be um, Tom Hanks. I think a lot of the the movie's successful rest or fail on on his performance, which is why why you get Tom Hanks to play that role. Um, and I will say this: I, I we mentioned before we got on air here, we we're talking about Robert Zemeckis, and like he's not like one of your go to favorites. But um, I will say I didn't realize until I googled it. I realized he's the Director behind, of course, back to most everybody knows him from Back to the Future and stuff. I mostly know uh, his work from my favorite Christmas, second, second favorite Christmas movie of all time, Polar Express. Yes, I love Polar Express. You're such a child. <laughs> You're such a kid. <laughs> How <laughs> I knew dare you were say that. Before you even said it, I was like, he's going to say Polar Express. <laughs> it is uh, a timeless classic already, sir. And how, for, I don't care how, people who are how creepy. Now, you watch, so the... Um, the recent we didn't even talk about this on the show we've both watched the uh chippendale rescue rangers and they talk about that like creepy cgi from the mid 2000s <laughs> it's totally the case but it's very it's a very true phenomenon but it's uh, oh what a great movie uh, anyway oh, yeah they do give pretty much a direct reference to zemeckis yeah creepy and- <laughs> movies yeah that's true, <laughs> that so true. uh how they kind of look off there. <laughs> they had some really good, I will say this. I know that we're not doing a Chippendale rescue Rangers review right now, but I will say this. <laughs> I found myself very entertained and laughing at a lot of that movie. Cause it was so off the wall. It was. And there was so much reference to stuff that we grew up watching or mm-hmm. even things that we saw as adults and kind of just being like, Oh yeah, that is true. Or that is funny. <laughs> or even just the make kind of the convention scene. You know, with their <laughs> that was older, too real. You know, that was way too real. Been actors and how they're still trying to find a way. To, it just, it's too real, right? It was all, way too real. <laughs> we've <laughs> been to these conventions. We kind of see this. And uh, so I I enjoyed Chippendale. I thought it was very funny. I should not have had as much fun with that movie as I did. I, it's funny because, and I never watched the original cartoon, um, but uh. um, I played hours and hours of the original SNES Chippendale Rescue Rangers game, a Super Nintendo wow. system, um, on my cousin's SNES when we would visit their house, and so me and Bethany we played that thing for hours, um, and it was it was a lot. Of, so I actually knew all of the characters from that game. So there was kind of a weird nostalgia to it, even though I never saw the cartoon. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I grew up with that cartoon. That was like my that was my you know afternoons watching all that the Disney those Disney shows. So. You know it. It, I will say that because it's one of the sometimes with these direct to Disney Plus films, I kind of automatically assume well, they're probably not going to be as good. They're not like theater worthy, or they're not doing mm. the you know theatrical release first kind of thing. Um, but I I will say the 
thing that they've done recently with um, Chip and Dale Rescue Rangers is it, it takes the risks of storytelling that I feel like wouldn't work if they were trying to make it more mainstream. And so the fact that it was like sincere cultural commentary on like pop culture as it ages and how it affects you and then affects the people that perform that art. It's, it was this really, I don't know. It was, it's a weird, who would have thought a John Mulaney, you know, SNL cast playing the Chippendale rescue Rangers would be like this thought provoking, provoking cultural commentary on how we view pop culture. Like that, that was pretty surprising to me. Yeah. Same. And it, it, in kind of taking it back to Pinocchio, it is interesting with the Disney Plus strategy is is that the case? Is it Disney Plus is where they put the more risky movies and the movies that they think maybe won't do as well as the box box office or is it part of their strategy that they're going to have some of these Tom Hanks driven high quality effects movies that still just land on Disney Plus just to boost the subscriptions? Yeah. I don't know. Is this an indicator that Pinocchio maybe won't be as good? as they thought it was going to be. That was honestly my assumption. I would think with a live action remake, because they've historically been such box office, just financially speaking, they would have to release at theaters first. But I think, but who knows, maybe I'll be proven wrong. I hope so. Well, they've had, you know, they've had their misses. Dumbo was kind of a miss. Oof. Um, And then they did Lady and the Tramp, went straight to Disney Plus as a live action remake. So I wonder if they feel like this being Pinocchio... Mm. Although an iconic character, it's not at the level of the success that they saw with Lion King and Aladdin and Beauty and the Beast. Those were kind of in that that golden Disney era that those kids that watch those movies are now adults. Now, Pinocchio, those kids that watch that movie when it first came out have been adults for quite a while now, right? That's, you know, older people who maybe aren't going to drive the box office success. So your target audience is still going to be the you know, 30 somethings, 40 somethings mm-hmm. um, for these movies. And maybe that's too, like Dude. we were just saying, neither of us are nostalgic for Pinocchio. No, so I, we, we just have to keep rolling forward until there's a live action remake of brother bear and <laughs> we're gonna treasure planet. Ooh, uh, dude i would you know, i would be a thousand percent in for that that one. would be your up oh, your alley the, that era right now we're talking now we're talking dude i think um i think we got a wrap i think that's an episode another episode of mouse and castle in the can uh any any parting shots for us aaron or anything we missed that you wanted to hit before we say our farewells nothing major uh i did get to see world of color oh, for the first time nice I, I they didn't have it the last time i was at disneyland and it was back so I surprisingly had never seen it, and yeah. uh, it was interesting. Yeah. Overall, I would say the positives of it, the technology, the water, you mm-hmm. know, technology and stuff with the fountains and the that stuff was really cool. The actual show itself, way too long. Uh, uh, hmm. And it, I wasn't, you know, it was kind of like just these movie clips. It was almost like they'd just drop in a movie clip and have the sure. theme. and. Uh, the Johnny Depp part, though, when they got to the Pirates of the Caribbean, oh, oh. Uh, the biggest cheer that the whole show got was when his face popped up, which is, that's I don't know bad. if that's a good, that is a fast, good thing or a bad thing. Yeah, like, yeah. When I saw that, I was like, oh, this is such a commentary on our society right now that the most exciting thing that people got, got excited for in the show was it Johnny is. Depp's face. It is. Well, and it's like, it's a very real, there's some very real, um, very serious cultural ramification about around the discussions of that, uh, you know, the whole Johnny Depp situation, that trial. But it is interesting to see it's sort of like landed. It's the neck, it's the current, you know, hot potato in Disney's lap. It seems like Disney's had a rough few years of like, it seems like one hot potato after another where they keep welding into, uh, wading into willingly or maybe not so willingly the cultural uh, battlegrounds and it's interesting to see like for me as a kid who grew up and I've talked about this on the show like for me Jack Sparrow is probably one of my top three favorite Disney characters ever I grew up as a kid watching those movies and right. I think like the per- perfect age and so um, it's it's uh, it'd be really interesting to see if like the it almost makes me sad because you, there will never be another Pirates of the Caribbean movie with Johnny Depp where it won't be tainted by everything that just happened. So you just can't do a story anymore. Like I really legitimately think um, if, if we were to rewound the clock a few years, they could have made a, a six, another successful like handoff of the franchise or a farewell to Jack Sparrow that I really would have wanted to see, to see these stories go forward, maybe into a Disney plus series or something like that, where 
Johnny Depp can graciously kind of hand his character, you know, bring his character to a close, but still keep that world alive because I'm just, I love the world of Pirates of the Caribbean. Um, but I, that can't happen now. It's just like, it's a side, I know we're right at the end of the show here, but it's one of those things that I am, I, I do mourn for that a little bit. And, and it reminded me when you brought it up of the, that world of color. It's almost a topic for a whole yeah. other podcast episode. Mm, yeah, exactly. exactly. Well, uh, stay tuned because we will be back uh, probably next week. It depends on our schedules. We're going to keep rolling these as much as we can, as best we can uh, each week. Of course, that just kind of depends on schedules being halfway across the world. But I'm having a great time if you are, Aaron. So I want to tell everybody a couple things as we're uh, saying farewell. Shoot us an email. I actually want to fill up the uh, the inbox and get some um, listener feedback incorporated, especially if you went to Star Wars Celebration. You had any thoughts on any of the news that was announced there or any experiences that you'd like to share mouse and castle at gmail.com i successfully logged into the account although google tried really hard to not let me because i'm in korea so that's like the thing that keeps happening like i promise i'm me i'm really me but i do i have been able to log in can confirm shoot us your emails mouse and castle at gmail.com stay in touch with our social media it's at mouse and castle on twitter and aaron i hear rumors that we might try to especially now that we're kind of more set up and getting settled um and by we i mean mostly me i've now that i'm finally getting settled into the new place i'm excited about putting out some video clips on the show on on youtube and tiktok we're going to try to make the show more accessible and uh you know experiment a little bit there so stay tuned on our social media we'll be sharing those clips and having a grand time doing so so uh mouse and castle podcast.com is of course the home where you want to find all of the episodes of mouse and castle until next time uh, i'll say farewell aaron send us off uh, and uh, let the folks know where they can find you on the internet uh you can always find me at av goins on twitter just like and that. you can check out my other podcasts star wars bookworms and bad wolf radio nice i like it i like it i can't think of a better way to cap the, the episode today other than May the force be with you. It's apropos, right? It's Star Wars. Thank you. That's the show, man.